You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Sarah of Oka B. We discuss how she took over her family's shoe business and modernized it to what it is today, one of the most comfortable yet happy shoes that I personally have and love. Let's hear what she has to say. All right, so why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Hello, my name is Sarah Irvani. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am the CEO of Oka B. Awesome. And I love your shoes, but we'll get more into that in a little bit. But first, tell me about growing up. Did you grow up in Atlanta too? Where did you grow up? Like, were you entrepreneurial? Were you into style and design? Just talk to me a little bit about your childhood because I feel like that shapes us later. Oh, I definitely agree. I, uh, I'm a proud new auntie and it's so fun to see how influences take place. So I was born in London, but raised in Atlanta. Um, I'm actually talking now from our factory in Beaufort, Georgia, where as a third generation shoemaker, I actually spent a lot of my childhood in the factory following my father who was running the factory at the time. And so you know, anyone who, who grows up with a family business understands that you get a lot of entrepreneurial lessons, whether you like it or not, around the dinner table. So constantly learning and just observing what goes into business. In terms of style, I remember spending my um summers with my grandmother, who would have maybe a stack of five uh vogues from Germany, from France, from the US. And these would be the sort of five magazines for the entire summer. So we'd all sit together and comment on the different trends and the strategies behind the trends that those companies were doing. And, you know, at the beginning of the summer, the magazines would be crisp, but by the end, they would be so torn apart and it was a really good base in terms of spotting trends and and just the fun of fashion. Yeah, I love that. That's so fun. I had no idea that, you know, your dad owned a shoe company as well. So what was his like then, um, going back to that? Um, So he also grew up with a shoemaking parent. My grandfather was a... um, a footwear manufacturer in the Middle East before the Iranian Revolution. Um, and so I guess <laughs> apples and trees, as you as you <laughs> might guess. But so he really focused on, um, you know, the Okabashi um, brand, which is a lot about uh, uh, comfort, whether it's, um, you know, with heel cups, with toe rests, um, but not necessarily so much with the uh, fun and flirty Okabi. Got it. Okay. So that makes sense. That makes sense why your shoes are so amazing and so comfortable. It's because it's in your blood, I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. In my soul, there are so many uh, good or bad puns that can be made with shoes. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so you grew up then, you know, watching your dad and your family, it sounds like, um, being entrepreneurial and watching this process. So when it came time for college, um, where and what did you study? Did you decide to do something in the family business and study something related to that or a completely different realm? So I always knew that I wanted to go into business, but was really curious about philosophy. And so I actually did my undergrad, super geek, in philosophy and studied metaphor and how we understand metaphor. Um, I worked every summer since I was about 15 years old. And so after that, went into strategy consulting, um, focusing on innovation for really large companies, which was such a contrast to the small business environment that I had been raised in. Mm -hmm. A lot of lessons in terms of, you know, how large scale businesses work, um, things that I really liked, but also a lot of things that, you know, I thought, well, if I ever run my own business, that's not a type of cultural element that I want to embrace, that I want to be responsible for in an organization. And so I learned pretty quickly that, um, and I'm so grateful that I did, I needed to have a stronger basis in numbers. So I went and did a master's of finance at Cambridge, um, learning how to read financial statements, learning about sort of the economics that shape our sort of Markets, all of these have come in so useful in the past five years. And I recommend that anyone who's thinking about starting a fashion business really get comfortable with financial statements so that there's an expression that they know enough to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what I sort of focused on with that um, degree and then went and um, worked in venture capital, running organizations, and also on the investment side. And five years ago, my father um, looked to retire. And so um, I, I took over the factory and have had a really um, great time evolving it um, into what it is today. I love that. And I feel like that's so interesting that you ended up studying finance because a lot of us creatives numbers scare us and we avoid them. Um, so I think that's so smart, though, that you went and learned that because it is such an important part of business that a lot of us avoid, honestly. Um, so I love that. And also how you talked about going corporate for a little bit and learning the, the structures and I, I always tell people that you need to try all different things because you don't know what you like unless you do that. So had you maybe gone into the family business right away, you might not have stayed there because you didn't realize what the other side was like. Do you get what I'm saying? Totally. And, you know, I think that when something is unknown, it tends to be scary. I think this is very much a human trait. Um, I certainly haven't. Um, and a friend of mine, I was going on a walk with her a couple of years ago and she had heard something and she passed it on to me and it is just stuck at the front of my mind since I've heard it, which is fear means go. Mm. Um, so if you are really scared of something, lean into it more, embrace it more and sort of, I guess a, a more Western way of saying would be grab the bull by the horns. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that philosophy though. So, okay. So you decided then to go take over the family business when your dad retired. So tell me about that process. Like what, what were some of the first steps? And it sounds like you renamed the company or, um, you know, changed some things. So talk to me about when you came in there, what, what your idea was, what your plan was for the company. I think that leadership has changed. What leadership means in the 1980s versus today is very different. And I think it's definitely a positive evolution. When I joined the team, I really spent the first couple of months just actively listening, actively understanding, not coming in with day one and saying, you know, despite, you know, some team members who've been here for decades, I know better. We're going to make this change. But really to understand, you know, let me get to know the team. Let me understand different ideas of change and let's make change together. And I think that has been one of the factors of why we've been able to move forward so quickly and so effectively and also have a great morale Mm -hmm. um, while we're doing it. Change isn't easy, but if you do it all together, it can actually be fun and empowering. Some of the things that we've changed are very much on the operational front, you know, drop ship um, abilities so that we can sell and support our customers in different ways. Um, really deep diving into our collections. I mean, I, hopefully we'll get a chat talk later about our 2022 collection, but um, just really making it um fun and powerful um things like that are some of the changes that I sort of embraced from the beginning definitely and I love you know your philosophy with that I interviewed Lalin from J studio um like a few months ago and he had taken over his family business and went in with the same attitude of you know going in and not just changing everything but really learning about what everyone's role is and how we can improve or what what we're already doing well and doing great and focus on that too. So I, I like that attitude with it. And I'm sure that is what made you so successful then um, during this little pivot. Thank you. It's always uh, so great to hear about other people's stories. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I love learning. And that's where we also, I think, all get the best tips and see, oh, this worked for this person. Let's, let's try it. Yeah. So now talk to me a little bit about your brand as it is today and what makes it so special and different. Obviously, I know because I have a bunch of your shoes and I love them, but people who listening who might never have seen your shoes or tried them, talk to them about what your brand is and what makes your shoes so special. So our brand is Okabe and we've, we've sort of been known also as shoes that love you for many um, years and they are all made here in Georgia um, which is super excited and sort of made with love Um, and they are fun comfortable um, waterproof slip resistance they're sort of durable these are shoes that you can have in your closet and you're just sort of your go-to sources of joy. And if you think about it, you know, they're uh, flip-flops and slides. And these are types of shoes that you never put on thinking that you're going to have a tough day. You know, they're intrinsically joyful as a category. And a lot of the colors 
um, especially going into 2022, we've embraced a lot of bright colors and fun designs and attachments. We've got, um, you know, a lot of nautical themes and some really fun um, trends as well. Definitely. And so I um, I know the listeners have heard me talk about this before, but I have psoriatic arthritis. So sometimes my joints, especially my toes, are a little sore and your shoes are always so comfortable, but also like cute and fun, like you mentioned. And I love that. And I've even had some that my mom has stolen, my mom has stolen too, because she loved them as well. <laughs> so they're really, you know, great shoes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they're made um, also with the material that's made in, in USA and it's 45% soy by weight and there's recycled content in it as well. So it's fun looking at all of the different details. I think one of my favorite aspects, though, is that our designer is actually a classically trained sculptor. And so if you turn the shoes over, they're often these really beautiful, um, what look like engravings. And I was at a, a beach not too long ago, and to see all of the patterns in the sand. I mean, it's just sort of little little details like that that I feel like so many, um, you know, Primo founded, family owned businesses. You can see the little details of care in it. And that's just an example of one that I love. That is such a cool fact. I did not know that. So that's really cool. So talk to me a little bit about the environmental impacts and why that's so important to you. I know that, you know, made in USA, obviously, but talk to me a little bit about that because I think that's another part that makes the shoes so different. So there, there are different elements to it, you know, uh, eco-friendly is such a wide term and there are so much, um, you know, greenwashing that goes on and so much ambiguity as well. What I'm really excited to see is in the past few years, myself and I think just the general population as a whole, we've all started to learn more of the nuances of it. So you can really look across the life cycle. Where is it being made? 99% of shoes are made outside of this country and imported in. So we're proud to be part of the 1%. And so we don't need to have these shoes on a container ship for months sailing around the world. And that saves a lot of um, sort of a carbon footprint. Um, The fact that we use bio-based materials, that our shoes contain recycled content, Also, I think, you know, with flip-flops, one can think about the disposable type that you wear for, let's say, a month, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they go straight to the landfill. Durability also has a key part in um, an eco-friendly product. And our shoes have a guarantee in terms of their durability and their quality, which we're also proud of. And then you can also send back shoes to us so that we can recycle um, and send out a discount. So I think what we've tried to do is, is take a nuanced look at the environmental impact and move the needle on each aspect. That's a- so great. I think, you know, that's so different and you've hit on so many great points there um, that it's just another reason that I love your shoes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it takes a it takes a village. It takes a, a team to bring these collections together. We sort of manufacture the design team and 
also manufacturing is all under one roof and it it takes our customer love and support so it's it's exciting to be part of an ecosystem yeah so now let's flip um the script a little bit here now and let's talk a little bit about marketing like what's been the greatest tool for marketing for you how have you gotten the word out about your brand what's what's been successful in those terms for you I think that that also goes back to our previous um, point where word of mouth has really made such a big difference. I mean, when someone is walking down the street and I get this quite a bit and they say, oh my goodness, your shoes are just so cute. Where did you get them? Um, We get a lot of customers from personal referral of you know, people really, they don't just like our shoes, they love it. And so that when you love something, you want to talk about it, you want to share it with your friends and your dear ones. So word of mouth has always played a really big role. I think our shoes are also in all of the top spas and hotels around the world. And so when people go into that sort of resort relaxation modality, quite often they'll slip on our shoes when they're getting a massage or around the pool. And then they have such good memories as well and they'll want to discover it and bring it back home. Um, and then um, I would also say through through media as well, you know, we've been focused on, um, featured on some of Oprah's lists, which we're very grateful for. And, um, all, and sort of also influencers as well. So it's a it's a whole combination um, of people. But I think that we don't, uh, many brands go for sort of more of a traditional pay for play mm-hmm. approach. And that's something that hasn't necessarily been a fit for us. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting that stuck out when you mentioned it was the fact that you mentioned that you're at so many spas and hotels, which at first I was just like, oh, well, you know, it's just another, a retail spot basically thinking, oh, getting it on more people. But I liked your, your idea behind it was that it's tied to these great memories then of relaxation and vacation, um, which then goes along with the brand and the lifestyle. So I think that's so smart is thinking sort of, you know, outside of the box in that sense. Definitely. And who doesn't uh, get on a sort of a different level of high-end relaxation when you're on holiday and and in somewhere sunny? I think we're also saying this in January where it's, I can see a little bit of snow through the window. Same here. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Okay. So let's talk about what would you say your greatest success is? It sounds like you've, you know, you've been featured in Oprah and you're at these great hotels and retail locations across the world, but what are you really proud of with your business? What do you think has been a great success for you? I would say, especially reflecting on the last two years to be able to um, support and grow a team, uh, that does U.S. manufacturing here and to keep everyone, you know, safe and well and happy, that is undoubtedly what I would consider my greatest success. And it is, um, you know, a lot of people talk about purpose-driven brands and the satisfaction that that I feel knowing what this brand does and the positive impact that it has on our community um, I would definitely say that that's been the greatest 
success. I would also say we've got some fabulous styles, which are strong successes as well. But I think that's a um, it's a different sphere, and it's nice to be able to to look at the business on on the different spheres from you know the um, the impact of design and then the impact of community, both of which I think are important. Definitely. I mean, surviving 2020 is just a great accomplishment in itself. So that that's wonderful. Now, on the flip side to that, what what's your greatest challenge? Like what's something that is always a struggle or you always have to put extra energy towards? Um, what would you say is the hardest part about your business or being an entrepreneur? So I'll say something that I think might be um, – you know, maybe more practical and also helpful to those who are listening. There is a general consideration that more is better. Um, Let's have more and more styles, more and more offerings. Maybe you can capture um, an incremental uh, customer demographic by adding this style or that style, or, you know, let's not have five colors. Let's have eight colors, for example. Mm -hmm. And, one thing that I have seen is that, you know, there is definitely diminishing uh, incremental returns when you uh, grow a collection too large. And I would say that a challenge that I've seen uh, many brands have is to have the discipline to keep a tight visual message mm-hmm. um, within a collection so that it it packs a stronger punch. Um, And I think that, that, you know, having a tight collection, having a good number of SKUs is essential to having a strong brand. Definitely. And I think a lot of brands too, they get sometimes caught up in trying to be something for everyone, you know, especially in today's world where everything is on the internet and on social media, they want to please and cater and be everything. And sometimes it's better to, you know, niche down and focus on what makes you special, honestly. Yeah, no, definitely. Because people want a point of view. You know, if you're trying to be everything to everyone, then you're not um, really being everything to someone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So now, where do you get inspiration? Like when you are talking about designing a new collection, like where where do you get that inspiration from? And maybe talk about your next collection and where that specific inspiration came from too. Sure. Well, I think that my summers with my grandmother definitely left a lasting impact. <laughs> I still read a magazine more times than I would think the average person does. But I think also doing that over not just when it's time to design a collection, but consistently always looking for impact. What are the different trends um, in different markets and geographies, all the different price points so that you can zoom out and have this sort of macro view and different sources. I, I love to say recently, not that I travel a lot and find trends there, but historically I would, um, you know, spend time in Paris, in London, I still do in New York, to understand also what's, um, you know, what are trends where they're just starting and they haven't necessarily come into full bloom. One thing that I have seen for 2022, which our collection certainly reflects, is I think most people have had a challenging two years. 
and we are all ready to take active role in creating joy for ourselves and for our community. And so there are a lot of very bright, saturated colors that are coming within the footwear space and also apparel more more generally. And so we've got some really fun colors of sangria and sea glass and buttercup um, that, you know, you see, you don't even need to put them on you. Even if you just see these colors, they make you smile. And so I think in terms of that color palette, we're definitely leaning into the brights. Um, And then in terms of trends, um, we do have a core nautical set of styles, but also embracing a lot of chains, a lot of studs as well, which we've seen a lot of success in, but not in a... um, I would say, a traditional heavy way, but with a twist. You know, how do you do a chain but make it also the sangria color to match um, and and sort of be tone on tone and a, a twist on the conventional approach? So, for example, we've seen that the ginger, um, which which has these sort of uh, tone on tone chains, has... has um, been greeted with a lot of enthusiasm. Definitely. And I got a little sneak peek of your new spring pieces and I like loved so many of them. I couldn't pick a favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Never have enough shoes. (laughs) (laughs) So since this is the Preppy podcast, I always ask everyone like, what does Preppy mean to you in modern times today? Like how would you describe it now? So I think Preppy is about, at least for me, um, it's about something that's classical. It's about something that, um, you know, independent of time, it will, um, you know, be appealing, be crisp, um, that, you know, a preppy look from the 1960s would be applicable to the 1980s, would be applicable to today. And in order to have that, I also think not only about the visual style, but also about the durability of the product. If you say something preppy, it doesn't feel like fast fashion because it will be seamless throughout all of those years. So I think about high quality, I think about sustainability, and I think about something for the ages. Uh, My style is definitely uh, very preppy and it's, uh, yeah, it brings me a lot of joy. Anyway, yeah. it's nice to to also look at sort of different textures and different materials as well. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. So this question might be hard, but what is your favorite piece on your site right now? Or maybe favorite um, from the upcoming spring collection even? Like if you had to pick one. So I so one of our favorite styles is the Teresa, which is the sort of turtles, and they're just sweet and fun, and they've they're just fantastic. I think that in terms of for twenty twenty two, I am really excited about this ginger style with the chain. I think we've got some stud styles like the Chase, which would be a close second. Um, One of the styles that I wear a lot about the house and on holiday as well is the Maxwell, which I have an electric pink. Mm. Um, That's sort of a a cross strap slide. And I just sort of, literally when I get out of bed, I just slip it on and 
you know, the coffee tastes good, but the shoes are the ones that really bring me the joy in the morning. I actually have those Maxwell's too. I have them in that um, like yellowy, um, bright, greenish hue color. And I love them. They are so comfy. And I feel like they're like classic, but still on trend with everything right now too. Totally. Totally. (laughs) So what are some other small brands you love? Like, are there any brands you like to pair your shoes with or, you know, want to give a shout out or have people check out too? So, um, I drink a lot of tea. <laughs> almost like a creepy amount. And um, much more so than cold water. And so I really like Hale Tea. Uh-huh. They are a brand also in Georgia. Um, and so that's probably one of the ones that I consume the most. And then the other one that I'd love to give a shout out to is Zags, which does these super cute um, cover-ups. Yeah, no, they're great. Wait, so this tea, is it hot or cold? Hot. Oh my they gosh. Even, they even have like um a sweet pea one that turns blue, as in the flowers. And um yeah, it's just nice to support local- I'm gonna check this out. I am a big when you were like, Oh, I drink a lot of tea. That is me. I do not drink coffee. I drink multiple cups of tea a day and I love tea. So I'm definitely checking this tea company out. Great. It's H-A-L-E. Okay, perfect. So where's the place that you look to um, for business or fashion advice? We talked about, you know, obviously classic fashion glossy magazines, but is there like a blog or a book or a magazine or a website or something that you could recommend people checking out um, if they wanted business or fashion advice? So I think that um, business of fashion is an Mm -hmm. excellent site. Really recommend that. Um, I think that, well, maybe not the most obvious one, the one that I probably, well, I do read religiously, is Financial Times Fashion. Um, You know, there was a time when I think Susie, I don't think that she's retired, Susie Menkes was writing for the New York Times. Um, When she left, I think that there was a little bit of a gap left there. Um, And the Financial Times Fashion and sort of business of luxury Mm -hmm. Uh, also there's um is just the commentary is excellent it looks at both the visuals and the business behind it so um they probably update it about once a week or so so business of fashion is more day-to-day and um i think that those are my my two favorite ones oh great i'm gonna check that out um, okay, what is your favorite part about what we do about what you do? And I know we sort of touched on a little bit of this earlier. Um, but if you had to pick one thing, like when you wake up, what makes you so happy that you get to go and be an entrepreneur and work on this amazing brand? Like what what's that one thing? I think it's about bringing together different people. Um, you know, to as influences, but also within the team and so many people have um, you know, such different experience, such different strengths. And being an entrepreneur is about bringing together lots of different people to make one thing and make a message and make an, a singular impact together. And I think that um, combining lots of different things into one is is where I get my joy. 
That's a great, that's a great answer. And I mean, what, what woman doesn't love shoes, you know? So (laughs) I have to say it is fun to do all the different sampling. Um, We've got rooms with like rainbows of shoes. It's, It's so much fun. I'm sure your personal closet is, you know, stacked up too with some amazing shoes of yours. Working on it, working on it. (laughs) So what's next for you? Any sneak peeks that you can tell listeners to look out for? Um, Anything like that that you're excited about coming out soon? I think we're just really excited about our 2022 collection coming out in the spring and and making a really big splash with it. Um, And we're continuing to... um, yeah, embrace the brights and, and wishing everyone a, a fantastic year and um, feeling feeling the positivity all around. Definitely. So do you know when about in the spring it'll come out? That way people can look out for it? Probably um, we'll have the major drops in February and March. Okay. So my last question is where can people find you? Let everyone know your website URL, social media links so that they can shop and follow along. So our website is okabee.com. I think if you also type in shoes that love you, um, dot com, you'll also be routed there. We couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. And then our ha- Instagram handle is oka underscore b. That's O-K-A underscore b. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I absolutely love this. Like I said, I've loved your shoes for a while now, but learning more about behind the business and the why and everything makes me just love it even more now so thank you so much well thank you so much to your support um for your support and have a lovely day thank you so much for listening to the preppy podcast i hope this put a little prep in your step for the day please subscribe rate and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the preppy podcast on social media 